Do you sometimes think your brain is trying to kill you? You are not alone. Whether it's anxiety or depression or overwhelm telling you that you don't do enough or aren't enough, food cravings that routinely crash your diet, or slacking mental clarity that makes you perform subpar. The list of troubles that women attribute to their brain is long and affecting up to 97% of us. Find out why and what to do about it in today's episode. Hi, I'm Dr. Kieran Dunstan, and you're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where we explore integrative, natural, and holistic treatments for root cause resolution of health problems so that you can start to thrive and experience the brilliant health that you deserve. Can you relate to the feeling that your brain might be trying to kill you? You've got the best intentions in life, and yet instead of finishing up that project you've been at for months, you find yourself binging on Netflix and eating popcorn instead? Whatever the end result looks like, if your brain is not in charge in your life and is causing you problems, it can seem like an endless cycle, and your doctor may not have any answers, or maybe a medication is offered. My guest today pioneered a new treatment to reboot your brain and bring it back online so that it can be a helpful commander of your ship once again. Please help me welcome Leah Lund. And so welcome, Leah. Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate being here. I love to share solutions and and hope and optimism to women everywhere because sometimes um, the female body itself can feel like quite a job. (laughs) And um, and I know we're going to talk about, you know, is our brain trying to kill us? And there might be moments women have where it's, are my hormones trying to kill me? What, you know, what's going on here? Why is it so hard? Um, But we have a beautiful beautiful natural design and when we tap into it everything's possible for us i'm so excited to talk about brilliant health with you today yeah so i'm so excited to get into it and uh, so many women are affected by anxiety depression mood disorders feeling overwhelmed but also mental clarity memory issues so so many issues related to our brain function that sometimes it really can feel like our brain is trying to kill us and that's something that you've really focused on with your rebooting the brain summit and your program that you developed the holistic brain health method so can you talk to everybody about what that is and how it helps people sure yes so um, the holistic brain health method is a five-step framework that I always support my clients um, from and that those five because I believe these five steps um, cannot no one step can exist in isolation mm-hmm. and I know for myself Um, And I think for you in your past, I spent a lot of time chasing the magic answer, the one answer that was going to change everything and explain what was going on for me. And sometimes that would be a psychological explanation I was chasing after. And sometimes it was hormonal. And sometimes it was, oh, it's all spiritual. I just need to believe stronger. And it can be very confusing. Um, So that's the biggest message I have. There's five steps, but they are a team, and they work together, and you can't exclude any one of them. And just to run through it really, it is your brain, number one, because your brain is command central. It sends out all the chemical messaging to your whole body and being. Now, the the little asterisk on that is we know now there's neurons everywhere, right? So brain is really not just up here. It's everywhere, but it's everywhere. <laughs> it's in our heart. It's in our female organs. It's in our gut. It's 
we've yeah, got every cell you know science really shows now every cell has neuron has mm -hmm. neuron type capability and um, characteristic but but that's number one brain number two body because what's happening in your body is happening in your brain that's why we call alzheimer's diabetes type 3 now it's the same metabolic the same plaque buildup that was happening in the body and we were aware of happening in the brain um, then i i move as a number three to emotional capacity or emotional resilience and before four managing your thoughts and then five, ultimately taking soul-aligned action. And there's a reason for the five, and there's a reason they're in the order that they're in, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But it's really that, your brain, your body, your emotions, your thoughts, and then your action that's aligned with what's, what your soul's purpose is. That's a recipe. <laughs> Let's get into these. So, because, you know, I love talking about soul and emotions. That's, that's such a key missing part, even in functional medicine circles. Yeah. So, it's something that I love to talk about, and I know that people love to hear about, because they are not hearing it from the medical community in a lot of respects. So, but let's start, start with number one. Okay. Let's yeah, so, so brain, the really um, distinguishing approach that I have is to start first with neurotransmitter levels. So I use neuronutrition, otherwise known as amino acid therapy, targeted amino acid therapy. And, um, and I know you're familiar too, which is wonderful because not enough practitioners are, to be honest. This piece is overlooked so often. And at a very core level, biochemically speaking, how we feel, our mood, whether we are anxious or calm, um, our energy level, our um, disposition, some things that you might have even just thought were your personality, being introvert or extrovert, mm -hmm. all tie back to a group of four neurotransmitters mm -hmm. that are largely responsible for how we feel. And when we become or if we become depleted in the reserves, because we should have reserve tanks, of those chemicals and if we become depleted then all of a sudden you have emotions that don't match anything that's actually going on you have cravings that are not real they're biochemical based um, you might have sleep issues you might have gut issues all kinds of symptoms in fact I assess 40 different symptoms that correspond to these four neurochemicals and when that's off it's really hard if not impossible to do any of the other work the emotional work the thought management um, um, you know, you're just, you're really spinning your wheels because you've got these biochemically exaggerated thoughts and emotions that, uh, that I've met many, many women who've spent years in therapy on these thoughts and emotions that were actually exaggerated and not real in the first place. And the minute they started doing their neuronutrition or their um, targeted therapeutic dose levels of specific amino acids for the mm -hmm. neurotransmitters, it was like, oh, I forgot to worry about that anymore. I don't want to talk about that thing in therapy because it just doesn't even bother me anymore. And, you know, there might, there might still be some very real thoughts, past trauma, et cetera, that, that therapy serves. Um, but then you're working with the real thought instead of something that's exaggerated because mm -hmm. you're in a biochemical imbalance. Right, and I love that you bring this up because I think that people get so focused on, I have to change the emotion so I don't feel this way. What do I need to do to change the emotion? But sometimes 
your what you're worrying about or depressed about doesn't have the same meaning when you're biochemically balanced is what you're saying which is revolutionary and it doesn't mean that you need to get a drug that increases the serotonin at the synapse it probably means that you're serotonin depleted because you're depleted of the precursors and so you need to look at those neurotransmitters where are the levels and I yes I do use this all the time looking at neurotransmitters level neurotransmitter levels and give those amino acid precursors because that's what neurotransmitters are and so many of us because we have poor digestion and if that's you listening and you've got GI issues going on means you're not breaking down your proteins you're not getting the amino acids you need so the fact that you're depressed may have a lot more to do with how your body's functioning than just emotional uh, issues. So I think that's key that you're bringing that up. Yeah, thank you. I, I agree. And, and I love one of the first things that I will educate a client about is these amino acids are food. They're therapeutic dose of, of the building blocks, blocks of protein. So we're not going outside of ourselves to a pharmaceutical or even necessarily to an herb. And I'm not anti-herb by any means. There's some really helpful and powerful herbs. But this is, this is exactly your design. Ultimately, your brain is designed to take these bits of protein out of the protein foods that you eat and use them to create the neurotransmitters. And something along the line has, has broken down in, in the um, production and in the conversion. But this is the most natural thing <laughs> um, that really is sourced in food. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it's... Uh, it's highly effective, and it's really restoring your brain back to the way it was designed to be. Yes, I love that. And it's temporary. You know, the supplements are for a few months. They're not, it's not to be on these supplements forever and ever. You're really correcting the issue, helping the, game, helping the brain make up for the gap in production and store a reserve again, and then, and then you can go off of the supplements, and you don't need them anymore. For the most part, as long as you keep everything in life, right, and keep balance, which is you know, when is life the same? But as long as yeah, you keep your stress levels managed, you're still right. eating, you're still eating healthy, all of that. Great. Is there anything else in that number one block that you address? Well, the only other thing I would say is then we begin right away working with um, the neuroplasticity of our brain that really we can direct, we can lead our brain. So brain and mind, these words are used interchangeably a lot nobody you know we can we can see the brain and we know where it is in the body the mind um, is a little bit more evasive <laughs> as to where it actually is but the brain does take messages from the mind so I think of the brain as mechanism it takes input and it gives an output mm -hmm. if, if the mind is telling it it's stressed it's going to put out the cortisol and the adrenaline and you know all the stress chemicals if the mind is telling the brain it's happy or if the body is even telling the brain it's happy, then the brain is going to put out serotonin and oxytocin and all that, the feeling good chemicals. So the brain's really a, a, um, a impartial mechanism that just takes the input that comes in. The mind leads it, but you can lead the mind. You can choose to focus the mind on certain things. You can work with um, what you look at and what you think about and intentional choice. And then that um, really does lead the whole process. And through repetition, the beautiful thing, as, as I'm sure the viewers know, the brain can make new neural pathways. The brain can change physically based on what you direct it to pay attention to and to see and to repeat and to practice. So all of that is in step one of the brain.
And so what tools do you use or recommend that people use to help with their neuroplasticity besides the amino acids? What kinds of things might be in there? So this is more behavior habit um, type exercises. And there's a lot of them um, available both within, you know, practice. Uh, exercises I use, but out there as well. But when it comes down to it, the brain grows through newness um, in a calm state. <laughs> so not newness because you're in a panic and it's your last resort, but intentionally exposing yourself to learning something new, to trying something new, to being social. I mean, there's so many ways to, to form new neural pathways, but so the women I'm working with, they set an intention and then they do it. And I know that sounds really simple, but that's how the brain learns is by practice and by repetition. And so if you're used to, I teach a um, couple of things, a behavior sequence, but also a formula of a pattern of a habit. Every habit has a situation, something that's going on, what you usually do about it, <laughs> and then what happens as a result of you handling it that way. So if you don't like what, what's happening, if you don't like the outcomes, you can either go back to what you were doing. Um, if possible, you could bypass the situation, but that's not always possible. It might be your commute to work or you know, something that you really can't change, but you can work with and change um, what you do when you have a feeling that comes out of that, what steps that you take consciously, and it really is about consciousness and awareness, and that will change the outcome that you get. And sometimes your outcome is a reward, right? Like eating as a very basic, a, a stressful situation. We reach for, um, we reach for chocolate. We feel calm. Well, if calm is what you're looking for, what are other things you can reach for that mm -hmm. change the behavior? And then you practice them and you practice them and you practice them and um, you practice them with some support. Sometimes we can't see our own blind spot. And I know you know this through the questions you ask your patients of, you know, tell me about that situation. And you can pick up on things that they probably were overlooking. Right. Yes, I love that. So you really do give them uh, procedures and tasks to do to change the outcome. Put because we really are conditioned in our lives to behave certain ways. And by the time we're adults, we do have these kind of reflexive patterns that we go to that get us in trouble, but we don't really know how to change them. So you're kind of bringing the unconscious to the conscious and then giving opportunity to make new neural pathways. So there are new behavior patterns and it does take such repetition, really yeah. does. Yeah. So let's get into number two. You said that's body. Yeah. Yeah. So body, um, uh, you know, body, first of all, does actually send messages to the brain as well. We think of it that the brain's sending messages out, but again, neurons are everywhere. So even if you stand straighter, you're mm -hmm. sending a message to your brain that you are more confident and will, your brain will respond with putting out those kinds of chemicals. If you do something as simple as putting a pen in your mouth that turns up the, the corners or you can fake smile. <laughs> Put a pen like this? Yeah, just yeah. kind of okay. turns up these muscles. That yeah. action of those muscles turning up, tell the brain you're happy. And the brain says, okay, we're happy. I'll respond. I'll put out serotonin, endorphin. Um, so the body has, so sometimes when you've been trying to solve a situation or change your behavior patterns or how you feel by thinking about it, and I know we've all been there where you're, you know, thinking it up and down and left and right and not getting anywhere, just have your body in motion of it. Dancing is this. Um, 
I'm a laughter yoga leader. And yes, I saw that. Yeah. And that's the whole premise is that if you laugh intentionally, eventually you'll start laughing for real, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we like to say that we're not laughing because we're happy. We're happy because we laugh. So we laugh preventatively. <laughs> we mm -hmm. laugh in order to be happy. And then, yes, it doesn't take very long until you're real laughing. But even when you're fake laughing, you're getting that same benefit of boosting your immune system and lowering your blood pressure and, and um, your brain starting to put out the chemicals that tell you you feel good. And so, um, so that's a piece of the body is understanding you can use your body to influence your brain. Then also when I'm working with a client, I'm looking at the systems of the body, the endocrine system being so so primary for women. So what's going on with hormones, which, as you mentioned, are precursor to the neurotransmitter. Um, what's going on with thyroid, adrenals, food sensitivities, gut health. All of those pieces are an important part of the puzzle. And it can get really confusing. Um, but I start with that neurotransmitter piece because it's so direct that sometimes it gives people the clarity. Oftentimes, it gives people the clarity to even notice all the other things that are happening physically with the body. And then the other piece I love to mention about body is movement, exercise, you could call it, but um, movement, breaking a sweat. And of course, this is for metabolism, but one of the most powerful things that movement does for us that we tend to forget about is the detoxification. Yeah. And for women, especially for estrogen levels and um, all kinds of reasons, if we're not detoxing well, we can have these toxic buildups that affect us in so many different ways. And exercise is one of the best ways to detox. So um, getting in touch with your body, accepting your body as is, you know, there's really uh, mental and emotional pieces to body as well, but all of the focus of getting the body in balance is step two. Yeah, I'd just love to highlight that movement and breaking a sweat every day. You need to do something to break a sweat because it really benefits. I talk about the four pillars and it benefits really every pillar. It's helping to balance hormones. It's helping to detoxify. It's helping everything. So it really is key. I, I know some people would really bypass it if they could, but mm, unfortunately we can't do that. But there are things that you can do to find to, that you enjoy. Just keep trying different activities. That's what I always encourage people to do and variety you know yeah. it, it's um it's nice to have variety and meet yourself where you are and do what's available today because i've noticed and i, I bet you have too a tendency for women to make exercise another job yeah you know another really rigid like okay i this was my self time i'll say oh, i don't know it doesn't sound like yourself time. it sounds like like punishment or something um so Finding fun ways to do it can help as well yeah. and, and always looking that no matter what, there's something to do. And it took me a while. It took me till a certain age, honestly, to, to learn that consistency in smaller doses is so much more important than running the marathon or and so much. So I used to have in my 20s and maybe even early 30s, I thought you had to run at least four days a week or why bother? Um, and so if if it was Wednesday morning and I hadn't run that week, I wouldn't run the whole week. I'd wait till Sunday <laughs> to start over. <laughs> and that, and oh, because you had to check the four times and you weren't exactly. going to make it. So. And, you know, three times just doesn't help anything, right? And ne never mind, why couldn't the week start on Wednesday, right? <laughs> like, right. You know, right. Exactly. whole mind game. And so consistency of even something shorter and smaller, it pays off and is so much more beneficial than, you know, having all these yes. rigid rules about it or it has to be a certain endurance. 
certain yes, length. consistency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then anything else for body or you want to go on to number three, yes, emotion? We can go on, yeah. Okay. Let's go on to number three. Yeah. Um, and I'll start with the fact, so building your emotional capacity is what I call it. You could also think of it as emotional resilience. This is a few, a few elements that I see in this. It's learning to be with your emotion. First of all, to feel it, to feel your emotion, and then to be okay to be with it, and then to not let it determine what action you take, to not let it derail your plans or your intentions. And then a piece of emotional capacity is also not having the energy of others, the emotion of others, um, take you out, mm-hmm. <laughs> take you down. And so, um, I don't know, every time I talk about it, I end up flapping my wings here for some reason, but I, I see it almost like a butterfly. Like you just, you can take a little bit in and then you get comfortable and then you figure out how to handle more. But this is really our, our coping, our coping skill for life that no matter what comes along, we're okay because most fear is really fear of what we're feeling. You know, it's fear that I'm going to feel something so intense and so painful that it, I won't be able to handle it. I won't be able to deal with it. And you can develop that resilience to be able to deal with it. And then you don't have to be scared of what emotion am I going to feel um, because you're comfortable with all emotions and yet you know that they don't um, own you. They don't drive you. They don't determine what you do or your outcomes and your experiences in life. They're just a part of you. And um, I put this very intentionally before thought management. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this came out of my own experience. I spent a lot of time years ago when um, I was not feeling very well, um, thinking, okay, it's just my mind. I'm going to um, find a positive affirmation, and I'm going to think that, and I'm going to make everything change. And what I discovered is, first of all, sometimes you don't even believe your own positive affirmation, so I'll get, I'll get to that. But also, you can be thinking them and in that place and in that zone of, okay, yes, anything is possible, the world is safe, you know, whatever it is you're affirming to yourself. And then the minute an emotion comes up that you could call a negative emotion or a fearful emotion, all of that goes out the window. Mm-hmm. And so for our members, I, I get them solid in, in your emotional resilience first, and then you can start to work on the thought management from a place where even when that fear comes up or that self-doubt comes up or that frustration comes up or even mm-hmm. anger or shame or guilt or any of those things, it doesn't stop the progress. By then, there's, you know, there's processes to um, be okay with feeling that feeling. And even as far back as the neuronutrition, I, I talked about um, exaggerated emotions there. Emotional capacity is based on your true emotions. And emotions are not a bad thing. So we're not trying to numb you. Um, That's what a lot of the antidepressants would do, right, is you just don't feel any emotion. This is getting to be okay with your emotion, being able to be alongside them and not resist against them and let them run their course, allow them to be felt, but also do it in a productive way that doesn't affect your behavior and change, you know, and create things in your life that you weren't intending to create. so that's my that's my definition of the capacity. Yeah, and I, I love that you include this. I, I do find this was true for myself and my healing journey and lots of the people I've worked with. 
that, and I, I really think that we are socialized out of feeling our feelings as we grow up, um, particularly for boys. Boys don't cry. Boys don't feel compassion. Boys shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. And girls should only, they shouldn't get angry. And so we're really conditioned. And, and I find, for me, part of my healing was really, identifying what am I feeling and allowing that feeling because a feeling is a biochemical process in my body to allow it to be and feel it. And then I work with people on that routinely and find that for myself and for other people I've worked with, a lot of the food cravings or negative behaviors were aimed at squashing those feelings down that you didn't want to feel. Yeah. And so I'm I love that you include that. And what are some tools that you might use with people who are trying to get in touch with their what their feelings are and learn how to tolerate them? Because if you haven't felt them sometimes it could be if you've been medicating them with shopping and alcohol and sugar <laughs> and all these and then all of a sudden you have these feelings, it can be a little overwhelming. So how do you work with people? With sure. That? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything that you've said there. And um, in fact, in the neurotransmitter assessment, I share with clients a, a list of symptoms of of depletion and then a list on a right-hand column of how we feel when we have those neurotransmitters just flying readily and easily. And in the middle is all the stuff we do (laughs) to try to feel that way or to not feel something negative. And I think that is exactly where emotional eating comes in and workaholic, you know, anything-aholic or shopaholic or is we're either trying to feel an emotion we're not feeling or we're trying not to feel the one we are feeling. And so it's, it's this unhealthy relationship with our own emotion, just wanting the happy, happy ones and, and wanting more of that maybe than we are feeling naturally for, for those reasons or not wanting to feel that painful one or that un, uncertain one and just um, stomping it down, like you said, and get, getting rid of it somehow with something. And so um, number one is pausing long enough to know that you're even having an emotion. And because what can happen Uh, many, I'm sure you've worked with many, many women as well that have become the master of not feeling their emotion (laughs) and, you know, are just closed off superwoman, you know, superwoman, (laughs) caretaker. It's about everyone else. I once, I had a client, she, I'll never forget her. And no matter what I did or said, I could not get her to focus on herself. It was always, I would say, well, how is your your marriage and such, and say, well, he such and such and so and he this and I say, well, what about you? What? And she just at every turn would she couldn't even see herself. So yes. Anyway. Yeah. So st- step one is feel it. Like no matter what that looks like, let it be okay. Let it be messy if it needs you know it needs to be. And I'm going to share something about that that you made me just think of in a minute. But um, but also just a pattern interrupt because in our In our sequence of behavior, what usually happens is we feel a feeling and then we do something. And it might be we run, it might be we lash out at others, it might be we um, say something inauthentic just to be a people pleaser, it could be we reach for that sugar, you know, there's a number of things that is our next reaction, Mm -hmm. but you want to build the space. In fact, this is what I think emotional capacity is, is that space between feeling an emotion and how you respond. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the presence of it. Um, so a pattern interrupt. If your habit is to do one thing all the time when you feel angry, 
just doing anything else, <laughs> anything else um, is a pattern interrupt. And, and something helpful for a pattern interrupt can be going into the body. So sensing deep breaths are great for this because there's also the added benefit that you're activating vagus nerve and calming down the nervous system, and that works physiologically as well. Um, but it can be something like I have a client that just twists her bracelet on her arm. Before she responds to any emotion she's feeling, she has to turn her bracelet at least three times. And that's just her space, you know, her space to say, I'm feeling angry. Now, do I need to react from anger or do I respond? What, what else do I say? What else do I do? Um, it can be, I have another, I have a friend actually that does yoga pose. Like it doesn't matter if she's in the middle of a business meeting. <laughs> she'll, do tree, she'll do tree pose. And she'll say to herself in her head, I'm a tree, I'm a tree, I'm a tree, <laughs> I'm a tree. Until that emotion dissipates enough that you can sort of get your, your logical brain around you again and your, and your awareness of how you actually want to respond for something. But all of that is progress. And the more progress you make, then you can handle more and more difficult situations or surprising situations. And so what I thought of when we were talking about being like so shut down um, one of the things that I, I do is when women come to retreat, this doesn't work so well virtually. So uh, when they come actually to retreat, we do equine therapy with horses. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, which is, I could talk about that <laughs> forever because it is so amazing because they read our energy so well. Um, but I've seen, uh, I'm thinking of our last women's retreat, a woman that finally just um, let go and that actually looked like taking a riding crop not to the horse to a block and just pounding it mm. out until she finally let that emotion that was so stuck inside of her be released and come to the surface i've also had recently in um, our vibrant woman group one woman was celebrating her emotional capacity for handling uh, for saying no, basically, you know, for being able to hand, handle the emotions that come up when there's competing demands on her, and she's just really learning to say no and carefully pick and choose what serves her best. And another woman said, um, when it was her turn to share, well, I don't think I'm developing any emotional capacity because I'm just going off on everybody. So I don't think that that's emotional capacity. <laughs> And I said, actually, it is. And that is the start of emotional capacity because you 30 days ago would have just kept quiet. Mm -hmm. You would have never even allowed yourself to feel that. You wouldn't have said anything to anybody about it. You would have internalized it all. So, so it's a progression. And a really simple tool, if we have time for, um, for this, is when you feel that emotion, first of all, I'll just take some deep breaths. Number one is just breathe and be with that emotion. And it can help if you put a name to it because sometimes emotions can feel really threatening and scary. And the minute you say, oh, it's resentment, it's frustration, it's self-doubt, whatever, it's anger, it's shame, it's guilt. Putting a name already kind of brings it out into the light and it's not, it doesn't feel quite as threatening. And then stay with it however long it takes and it's usually a lot less than you think. And what I advise while you're doing that is think of a wave coming in onto shore. And what do waves do is they build an intensity. They get higher and higher and can almost feel like they're going to crash right on top of you. But they always, always will roll out again. So just see it as that. Just hang with the wave. Okay, there's the guilt wave, the guilt wave, the guilt wave, the guilt wave, the guilt wave. 
you could ask yourself questions if you have to buy some time. Where is it in my body? What does it look like? What color? What texture? All those kinds of questions. But it will break. Every, every wave crests and rolls out again. And I then immediately switch to gratitude. Yes. Gratitude is our, is our, you know, activating vibration. It bridges from the downward spiral on the emotional scale to the upward. And, and if you can't feel uh, gratitude for whatever it was that was causing the guilt in the first place, just mm-hmm. anything you feel gratitude for. Completely change right. the subject in your own head and just find gratitude. I love the, I love all those tools and I love those examples. That's, those are wonderful. So if you're listening and you're struggling with this, then maybe try some of the tools that Leah has shared. I definitely encourage you to do that. And I know the next one was thoughts, and then we were going to talk about soul. I want to always want to talk about soul. So just for brevity's sake, do you want to say a little bit about four, and then we'll go to five? Sure, okay. yeah. Yeah, I like to spend the least amount of time in thoughts, as well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be honest, because they can be all-consuming, right? Um, and so what I'll say is don't believe everything that you think. <laughs> Start, start to look at your thoughts as a third-party objective observer um, because they're simply thoughts. It doesn't mean they're true, and you can choose to think whatever you want to think. And I, and I know if somebody out there is hearing me say that right now and feeling probably irritated because you've tried and you're like, yeah, sure, make it sound simple. Um, but but there's, there's no way around it. So if you write them down and look at them and then say, okay, I'm going to think this instead – and practice it. There's really no way around owning what's going on up here and, and being aware of it and making attempts to think something different. And with practice, it will change. And the only other thing that I'll add is don't go for the complete opposite thought. You know, so if, um, if you feel like um, I'm sick and I'm never going to get well, it might be a really big stretch to say, I'm perfectly well right now. I'm perfectly well right now. <laughs> I'm perfectly well right now. Right. I hear these affirmations, but we also hear the little monkey voice going, baloney, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're not. So instead, find I'm getting more well every day. I'm not sure if that's good grammar, but I'm getting better every day. I'm feeling better every day. You know, something that you really can buy into and believe, and then just keep upgrading it all the way over to the other side. Yeah, I love I love um, Abraham Hicks that emotional scale, and you you can't make the jump all the way. You got to go a little bit, a little bit. But but with the thought section, we could have a whole hour discussion on that. I always like to say you can't think your way out of crazy, but you've got all these other tools. If you work with the body and the emotions, etc., and what we're going to get to next, then you really can start to shift your thoughts because most of us have programmed into us from years of being a child a lot of negativity negative thoughts running and a lot of different voices and no you're not crazy we all have that and um so i I like to say what if the sky is actually green (laughs) right I mean, like, I don't know who told us it was, what is blue? Like, (laughs) somebody told us, so now we all believe it, but that doesn't mean it's true. doesn't mean it's true. But you have to keep thinking. Yes. And so number five. Yeah. So soul-aligned action. Yes. Some of my clients find, are a little surprised when they come into our Vibrant Women group um, that it, we might focus time on their career goal or on writing their book or on getting on stages or, um, or something that feels like more of a personal goal than a health goal. 
And I'm here to say that is a health goal, right? Our personal accomplishment, our personal expression, that is a very key part of our well-being. And it can also be when we squash that side of our lives and of our being, that can root itself and become a physical health problem or an emotional health problem, 100%. And I know you agree, too. And so, um, so it's a very integral part of, of healing and of well-being to start to express yourself in ways that are expressions of your soul. And it could be your, your career or business, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a hobby. It can be um, anything, really, but something that is just for you, something that's not about being mom, mother's wonderful role, um, and a, a wonderful blessing to have, um, but something still that's just for you. And um, so it's soul aligned, meaning it aligns with your deepest purpose, what you secretly want <laughs> to be doing, even if your family doesn't know. Um, an example I have uh, is um, a woman that I'm working with who at our last retreat that's part of Vibrant Woman, she came out and said, I've always wanted to be a writer. And do you know how much I hide this? I have a folder on my computer, you know, a file folder that has all the things I've written and I don't even label it my writing or anything like that. She had an acronym. She had a disguised acronym that stood for, you know, here's my writing folder. But because she, she didn't even want any member of her family to go on the computer and see that she was writing or thought she could be a writer or wow. anything like that. Imagine the effect, right, physically on, on stuffing that down. It's no different than stuffing an emotion with food. Like she was just hiding away her dream with an acronym, with a secret file, so that even her children or her husband would never see that and would never know for a whole bunch of reasons, a whole bunch of thoughts she had, a whole bunch of, of emotions. But so soul-aligned action is really important, and it's important both soul-aligned part, that you discover what it is you're here to do, what fulfills you the most. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be your job. Um, you're doing it for the purpose of experiencing it and, and fulfilling mm -hmm. that for yourself. And then it requires that tricky word of action. Because even if you surface it to your mind and go, okay, I like the idea of being a writer, but you're not writing anything, the, the circuit's not complete. You know, the feedback loop is not complete. We, to know something is really to be it, to be embodying it. And so even collecting all this health information, you know, that I know we all do, and it's really interesting, and there's lots of interesting programs to listen to, it's wonderful, but make sure you take action. Because until you take action, it, it really can fog up your mind more than anything. So taking action on, on your soul's purpose, um, and, and that takes some courage, but that capacity part helps, and the clarity, the mental clarity and mental energy helps. So it all comes in a progression, but that's an essential completion of, of the five steps is to take that soul-aligned action. Yes, and so I'm just wondering, because a lot of, as we talked about before, healthcare practitioners really don't incorporate a discussion of your soul's purpose and expression in the care that they render, and I know that just from my personal journey, this comes as a, a hard-won battle to figure this out and learn it and share it, and I really think it's the next frontier of uh, medicine. Mm -hmm. So how did, what's your journey of discovery? I know you have a lot of different training in your background, but how, what was your unfolding that brought you to this realization? Yeah, so my unfolding um, 
it really started my per, my physical health and mental well-being got my attention right that was the um the alarm system that was going off so i had been in corporate America in um, management training and leadership training for retail organizations. So training, but still very highly sales oriented and working for big corporations that were not my own. And um, I didn't have any of the skills <laughs> that I have now or that I teach now. Uh -huh. And so all I did is internalize stress. I was neurotransmitter depleted. I know now probably from age four or five, mm -hmm. I had low serotonin um, and I show pictures sometimes six months old. I'm this happy, smiley baby. Kindergarten, there's a straight line across my face that didn't move for a couple decades at least. And I worried about everything and I internalized everything. I never said a word about it. Um, I still did really well in that career somehow. I really don't know how in, um, in a sales environment especially that I did okay feeling as anxiety ridden as I did. But I did well, but it just compounded because I internalized, internalized. It started, of course, to affect my adrenals and my hormones. Um, and so much so, I walked away. I let it bubble up, you know, that burst, like it's we're like a balloon <laughs> with all the emotions. I let it go to such a point that I didn't see any other way out except to quit my corporate job without any plan. I had zero plan. I just quit. Um, I cashed out a 401k because I didn't know how else I was going to live because I didn't feel like I could do anything. And I ended a 13-year relationship just in case, like just in case that was the problem. <laughs> wow. I just blew up my whole life. <laughs> and, and I moved um, across the country. And then there I found myself alone um, with my thoughts, with no job, um, and I felt worse. I thought for sure I would feel so much better. And in fact, I felt worse. And I think what it really was is I had the time and space to even start to understand how bad I'd been feeling for so long. Um, but the beautiful part of it and the blessing in it is then I went on my journey of um, learning and I went through what my friend Jenny calls whack-a-mole. You know, I went through, okay, it's psychological. I'll get all that figured out and I'll be fine. Oh, okay, it's spiritual. I'll just start going to meditation class and it'll be fine and I'll um, study and read spirituality and that'll be it. And I, I went through all these modalities, but I finally put it together. And what I got loud and clear eventually is that I am a holistic being. I am mind, body, and spirit. And I need to nourish all of those parts of myself and then when I could, when I was doing all of that, then my true desires started to come out. My love of nature, my love of horses. I was away from horses for many, many years, decades. Um, my, my love of helping others. And, and uh, so I came across some uh, trainings, uh, starting first with holistic coaching, and it just clicked because it was everything that I knew was important. And it took me right back to, I grew up on a farm. Like I was very connected to nature and animals and rising with the sun and, and going to sleep, you know, when it got dark and, and very connected to our natural rhythms and things. But in corporate, I had just gotten so far away from all those things. 
Yeah, so well, thank you for sharing that. I got chill bumps at several points with, with what you were sharing. And I could really relate to the kind of blowing your life up and then going on this journey. And it's that heroine's journey that really I believe that every health issue is a call to. And it's a call to know yourself on a deeper level and heal yourself on a deeper level. And when I say, is your brain trying to kill you, your brain is oftentimes governed by that re- part that just wants survival and so it may be keeping you in a job that you hate and it 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 is for a lot of people and it has you eating things that you don't want to eat and doing things that you really don't want to do or aren't in your best interest and so if you're experiencing some of the symptoms that I talked about in the beginning like anxiety or depression or feeling overwhelmed or having lack of clarity any of these mind or brain symptoms then your brain may be trying to kill you but your soul is trying to save you and it's really this call to this greater journey that Leah just so beautifully and intimately shared with us, thank you so much for doing that, that I believe is the greater message of healing and really is the centerpiece, it sounds like for you and for me, of how we help women to understand and put into perspective their health concerns. It's not just that you have a stub toe. It's not just that you need a, a Tylenol. It's really how does this illness speak to you in terms of your larger life and what you're here on this earth to do. So thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> My pleasure. And and thank you for what you've said there. You've described it beautifully that our soul, you know, our soul does know. There's a knowing that is so much a part of us and who we are in our DNA and and our physical. I, I literally think of physical disease as a distraction. It's, it's a distraction and it's a warning light. light mm-hmm. And it's telling you something. And yes, we want to heal the physical part of it too. But yeah, it's telling you something related to your soul. Right. So, Leah, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to leave everyone with the top three take action steps you would recommend that they um, take away from what we've discussed today to start moving towards brilliant health. What would they be? Hmm, okay. So, if I have to choose three. <laughs> yeah, you have to choose three. Yeah, I would, de- I would definitely start with exploring your neurotransmitter level and the possibility that you're deficient. And I say that because just not enough um, attention is given to it, and um, it is pretty straightforward. So if this is what's going on for you, simply through supplements for a limited period of time, you can absolutely correct this, and you may feel drastically different from how you feel right now. So it's not, it's not, the, it's not the only part of the solution, but to me, it's a really, really solid first step. Um, secondly, I would have to uh, talk about the emotion and just expressing yourself, allowing yourself to feel your emotion, no matter what it is, because if you don't feel it and you don't get it out in the light, then there's no way you can um, be intentional about how you respond to it. There's no way that you can get comfortable when you stuff it down. It's literally in the tissues of your body and your emotional body just percolating there to make some physical problems for you. So getting in touch with your emotions. And then thirdly, I will come back to soul because I know that we both feel so strongly about that, that you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose and you will never feel as good as you can, the potential that you have to feel uh, until when you're in your soul aligned action and you're just flowing with it and it comes 
naturally to you and it's it's just such an expression of exactly who you are not trying to be anybody else not trying to please anybody else but being exactly who you are thank you for sharing those those are wonderful take action tips and tell everybody how they can learn more about you we will have links in the show notes to the uh, areas that you're talking about Sure. So, um, so our website is One Whole Health. So that's one spelled out O N E Whole W H O L E Health dot com. And um, I named my company that very intentionally because I believe just like consciousness is a collective, our well being is a collective too. So the way to have more wellness in the world, the way to even heal our planet, starts inside and with your well-being and so onewholehealth.com is where you can find me and um, there's also going to be a link up for a self-scoring brain chemistry assessment mm-hmm. I'm giving you the exact same 40 symptoms that I use to assess whether or not my clients are depleted in these neurotransmitter levels you'll rank these systems on a uh, symptoms on a one to ten the higher the number higher the sign of deficiency and you'll know right away if that's affecting you or not and then we're also on all, of course all the social media so um Leah Lund, the brain coach on Facebook, Leah Lund, one whole health on Instagram, Leah Lund, the brain coach on YouTube, all of the different social medias. Okay, great. One last question. The name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health, and you certainly exemplify that. And I'd love with you if you could share with everyone what that means to you. Yeah, so I love that you use brilliant because I, you, you know, I love the word vibrant and that's our, our program is Vibrant Woman and they're so similar. And so to me, that brilliancy, um, that brilliant health is really mental clarity, physical and mental energy and stamina so that you have, you're up, <laughs> you're up for life. You can handle what comes your way. You stay on track for the things that are important to you and you also energetically keep your vibration high so that emotional guidance system keeping your vibration high so that you can attract every everything that you want in your life that you have a point of attraction that is a high vibration that brings things to you easily and naturally once you identify them awesome that's wonderful thank you so much for sharing that and i think we all want that and we all deserve it too so thanks for sharing some steps that we can take to move towards brilliant health my pleasure thank you so much for having this platform and for allowing me to come here today and share i love your show and everything that you do oh thank you so much So if you enjoyed this episode and you know another brilliant woman who could benefit from it, please share it with her and like and subscribe. I'll look forward to seeing your comments on Instagram at Kieran Dunstan, M-D, K-Y-R-I-N-D-U-N-S-T-O-N-M-D, and direct message me and let's have a conversation. Look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Thanks for joining.